0: Join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Table, Redemption's Table podcast. I'm glad you're with us. It has been a joy each week to sit down to a table, a meal, a Coke, a cup of coffee, and engage in conversation with some incredible Individuals, this has been so much fun, and this conversation definitely fun and intense both at the same time. Matt Coulter is our special podcast guest, and Matt is the senior racetrack announcer at Talladega Super Speedway. I want us to get rolling with this one, so I want you to just go ahead wherever you are and buckle up your seat belts. We're getting ready to ride, and instead of me saying, Hey, Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Here we go. Welcome to Redemption's table. Sitting here at Salvatore's, Salvatore's Pizza.
1: Salvatore's in uh, in Hoover is another location down 280, but as a Mustang roars by. Yeah. I started doing his commercials in like 91. Yeah, uh, and I've eaten here twice a month ever since. It's okay, just, it's a wonderful place, great ambiance and great food. So I highly suggest that as we start this with a promotional mention for go. Salvatore Bambinelli. So good to go. All right. Yep, yeah, I'm sitting here with Matt Coulter
0: and Matt is the senior track announcer at the Talladega Motor Raceway.
1: Welcome to Redemption Table, I'm, Matt. I am privileged to be here and honored that you asked me. And uh, let's hope that we can make a difference in somebody's life.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. You know, I, I, I think it's interesting you already you knew exactly what the car was going by. Was that a guess or was that a, a well-tuned ear?
1: Well, the Mustangs run at Talladega. They're a lot louder than that. No, it was really more of a guess, okay. Robert, I, I'll have to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> I was going to be impressed, I am impressed. So, um, You have been in your position since 1992, is that right? That's correct. How many
1: races have you announced at Talladega since that time? Um, two times 27? So, 54. four. Fifty-four. I did miss one, oddly enough, when I was in Europe doing the World League of American Football. That's the only one I've missed. But really, it goes back to 1983, when I first came to Birmingham to work for Channel 13 in their sports department. Okay. And uh, they said, would you go over and interview the Allisons in Hueytown and mm-hmm. talk about the Alabama at that time in my life, I was a sportscaster. What NASCAR? Uh, c- come on! I mean, yeah. they just go round and round. They change tires, and I mean, what? I learned real fast through the Allisons, mainly through Bobby, but through Neil and Davey and the entire Alabama gang. What an intriguing sport it was, mm-hmm. and how competitive, and and to be honest with you, how brilliant these people were. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not just opening up four barrels on a carburetor, and even now in 2019 it's even more complex but to answer your question in a lengthy fashion i actually started doing races or covering races as a reporter in 83 and i covered them up until 92 when they asked me if i would start helping out as far as a track announcer and i've embraced it ever since wow wow
0: that's exciting it's it's been great this sport was the sport that my father chose to follow and go to i spent many an evening weekend in my life birmingham international raceway this is back in the days of bobby allison donnie allison red red Farmer. farmer i was a huge red farmer fan as a kid and my dad and my mom and I, we attended the first Talladega 500. That was back when they had the year where the track wasn't quite set yet and most of the major drivers pulled out. And that's yeah, the, the only Talladega race I've been
1: to. We, I know, have a certain direction we need to go here, Robert, but you and I could talk about that because this past race, we celebrated the 50th year. I did You were in attendance that. in the very first one. Wow. And oddly enough, one of the first people I interviewed in a huge interview area that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do was Red Farmer who was racing that night at the dirt track and at the age of 87 is still racing, but really? you were a part of really the foundation of racing in Birmingham because it was Birmingham International Speedway that brought the Allisons from Miami and you watched them in their heyday uh-huh. when they were really rubbing fenders. And, Stock cars. Oh, it yeah. was, and it's a half mile track and I'm sad that it's not here any longer, but also really really happy that you and I have that in our past. As well. Wow,
0: that's exciting. I, I did not know. I would love to sit down and talk to Red Farmer. My mom was a beautician. She uh, she did Red Farmer's wife's hair.
1: So oh, they were big the, Red Farmer. Hey, guys. let me, you know this, women's hair in NASCAR is still big today, really <laughs> big in the 70s and the 80s. Yes, so yes, that's, it good. Was. that's good.
0: <laughs> of the 54 races that you've witnessed there. One is, what is one of the most impressive things you've witnessed in your years as an announcer?
1: It's, it's remarkable that we're doing this interview at this time because it goes back to the race we had two weeks ago. They honored Dale Earnhardt Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh, by having his owner, Richard Childress, drove his number three car from the year 2000, almost 20 years old, around the track to start the race. But that's my most memorable, and there are many. Uh, Bill Elliott coming from two laps down. Um, Personally, Bobby Allison getting into the fence and uh, almost literally getting into the stands as well. Uh, Personally, that one. But the most impressive thing I ever saw was uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr., who they say at Talladega because of the draft that he could literally see air. Uh, Nobody drafted like Dale Earnhardt Sr. and nobody has since. Mm -hmm. His son was close and there are a few others. But with four laps to go, he was running 19th. 19th at Talladega with four laps to go is a lot. He told his crew chief, which was Richard Childress at the time, he said, I'm going to pick them all off. And Richard Childress goes, yeah, all right, senior. I know you're, you're the intimidator, and you're the best driver out there. But really, four laps later, he took the checkered flag. It was a remarkable piece of driving. Elliott's comeback was great, but he had the car. Mm -hmm. He had the engine. When you're 19 back, with 10 miles to go, how do you weave through there? And he just picked them off. And uh, the other driver said, I saw him in my rearview mirror and I knew I was toast. Wow. And that was his last win at Talladega. And he's still the most winningest driver. He, the winningest driver. Um, He won 10 times there.
0: Wow you had the opportunity to see these guys on the track you also i'm assuming had the opportunity to see them off the track um something that you maybe could share in the personal moment you know where uh you saw something that was like wow as far as uh the character of these individuals who were on the track it's a
1: it's a great question and and i'm glad you asked because uh seriously bobby allison took me under his wing the first time i interviewed him i said how good is your pit crew Yeah, okay, that's kind of a lame question when you're really knee deep, waist deep in NASCAR. Mm -hmm. But he took me and he let me know when I was good, when I was bad, in a very, very fatherly like fashion. Mm -hmm. But this is another thing outside of noticing how intelligent these men were and and how crafty uh, and mischievous and gifted they were, before I noticed any of them, any of that, I noticed how. Bobby, his family, and all the members of the Alabama gang, and most of NASCAR that I've been around, was Mm faith-driven. Truly, faith, then family. And Bobby showed me that, and in their family gatherings before and after races, they would pray, and by the way, NASCAR still has invocations before races. Not a lot of the major professional sports do that anymore. I'm proud of them for doing that, and they won't change. That's right. that's a part of the fabric of that sport that's been around sixty plus years. Wow! But even as good a driver as he was, and a great engineer, he was a better family man and a better Christian mm-hmm. than a- anybody I've ever known. And in a sport like that, it would be easy to waver mm-hmm. if you know you. And you understand what I mean, right?
0: Yeah.
1: He never, never, never wavered. And, wow. to this, and I saw him again. Everything's going back to two weeks ago, but I saw him again and he uh, said hey Matt and I said hello Robert Arthur Allison <laughs> uh, and I kind of well up just talking about them the sport and, and really Robert uh, they still hold true to the Christian faith wow. and that impressed me more than anything about the sport and still does today wow that's outstanding it's wonderful
0: and I'm sitting here and just in awe hearing it not only about these th- these accounts but also i had no idea that it was the 50th anniversary that's uh,
1: but your memory is very good because 80 percent of the top name drivers in nascar mm-hmm. didn't run the first talladega 500 yeah. because they were worried about the wear on the tires yes they didn't think it would hold up well they were wrong but robert but uh bill france senior found substitute drivers, he ran it anyway, mm-hmm. and it's just been an absolute spectacular event ever since. Yeah. Going back to the
0: Allison's, I remember my father, my dad died last summer So I hear Day. that. He's 92 so, years' of age. Wow. He was, ready to, 92, he was ready to cross the finish line. Yes, he was. And um, I remember him talking about, I don't, do not know the context, but he talked about going by uh, more than once, stopping by the Allison's garage out there in Hunitown.
1: Into and, Church Street,
0: yeah, and just that—that was that kind of personal connection back in those days for him to be able to go and, and do that. Uh,
1: I just, Robert, that's just the people they were. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you uh, another really good example. Um, I think it was the eighty-six-seven 80- Daytona five hundred, and Bobby led most of the race, and guess who was in his in his draft, Davey. Davy was still fuzz faced, young guy. Mm-hmm. Bobby won't go. Uh-uh. No, no way, son. <laughs> it's the Daytona 500. By the way, I'm a breadwinner still. But Bobby finished first. Davy finished second. I'm in victory lane. He's so kind, and he recognized He comes over to me to do the first TV interview. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Little family feud in there, Bobby?" He said, "Without hesitation, no feuding, just family." Yeah. And that's the kind of people they were and I later I asked Judy Allison because this is just kind of an interesting caveat I said Judy who are you pulling for I said, the one that pays my bills (laughs) in other words Bobby that's classic That's good good story did
0: you ever have the opportunity to ride with one of the drivers
1: oh yeah Uh, I rode with Elliot once and oddly enough that you bring that up at BIR and then I rode once around the track with Kenny Schrader Okay, And then because of ways that, and actually some fans can do this, they'll let you at times during promotions take your own personal car. Really? And you can go, and of course you can't go very fast. Mm -hmm. I guess just for the sake of this podcast. They let me take my car at a much higher rate of speed. Uh, And it was just an absolute blast. Wow, wow. So, yes, I have ridden around it, and it's intimidating, it's fast, it's scary, but, boy, it is so much fun. Wow.
0: And I did not know this, This I just came across this the last few days. you have an
1: acting credit to your, uh, <laughs> uh,
0: to your I, resume?
1: I do, and that's all thanks to Talladega. You know, they filmed uh, several sequences, several scenes of... Talladega Nights, the legend of of Ricky Bobby, right at Talladega, and not to lengthen the story, but they filmed a lot of it during one of the races. Okay, and so they asked me as a PA announcer to announce the drivers that were in the movie, so the fans could react and get it as real as they could. So I thought, I thought my voice was going to be on it, but then a couple of weeks later, they called me and they said, "Matt, we need somebody to do the victory lane trophy presentation. Would you be interested?" And I went are you kidding me <laughs> so uh, I went and it's great Robert I mean I just drove I didn't know what I was gonna do I mean, I'd never uh, I drove in they uh, said you need to go to makeup I went really <laughs> because they did tell me what to wear because right. I needed to wear a Talladega shirt and be dressed just like I was gonna be if it were real Talladega Victory Lane so I went in there and they Actually, they ended up making me, which is a lot to work with, look okay. But I, I filmed that one scene with uh, John C. Riley, which is Cal Naughton Jr. But mm-hmm. Will Ferrell was there. Uh, this is cool. Am I and I'm am I running on at the well, mouth you're here? you're great. Go ahead. Oh, uh, this is cool because they gave me the script and it was about 10 seconds long, mm-hmm. and it wasn't real accurate as to what I did. But we did the the take, and I did it the way I would and the assistant director got a call from the director and he said the guy that's doing that sounds like he knows what he's doing (laughs) and so the assistant director said this is what he does he is the talladegan announcer and he presents the trophies in victory lane and he said tell him to tear up the script and do it the way he'd do it well i turned 10 seconds into 37 (laughs) but i did do it the way i did it and every single bit of it ended up in the movie. That's awesome. And, uh, and I will add this, those actors were so nice to me. Uh, will Farrell found out I was a sportscaster, and between takes, all he wanted to do was talk about Alabama football. Really? It was very, very cool, and they were, and I, I have Talladega Super Speedway to thank for that.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a good story. It's cool. I've been so blessed, Robert, in the many things I've done in a broadcasting career, that it would be really difficult to say this was my favorite. Of that. That changed everything. That has to be my favorite. I mean, wow. good. I still get residual checks. I got one for $6.37 the other day. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's so cool.
1: <laughs> I wonder what Will Ferrell's is. I,
0: I <laughs> have no idea.
1: Significantly more than mine. Probably more than but what anyway, you
0: would make for winning a race at Talladega. Yeah,
1: another way that God has blessed me in so many ways. From your
0: unique perspective, uh, compare the Talladega 500 to
1: real life. Oh, wow. What a great question. Uh, I, I think in real life, we all get a pretty good start, you know? Not all of our lives are equally prepared. The cars aren't equally prepared. Um, you may have the best car out there, and you may be running along great, but you can still blow a, a, a right front. Mm-hmm. Somebody else can cut you off, but you've got to deal with that. And Rick Owsley tells me this all the time, and I remember it daily, often more times God doesn't waste trials. Mm-hmm. And when you're faced with adversity and you're in the ditch, that's when you're closest to Jesus Christ and God. Yeah. And, and in that case, I think, and it's a wonderful analogy because you can have everything going your way in a race at Talladega and you can be leading by four car lengths. And I've seen this happen. Coming around through turn four, wham! Wow. Something happens. But it's how you handle that adversity and how you react and understand that's all that's all a part of god's plan in the race or in your life you've got to adjust you've got to understand and more importantly as i found particularly recently in my life as we are here on earth in the flesh there is nothing more powerful than prayer mm-hmm. and prayer gets you there it's it's the strongest thing we have while we're here Yeah. afterwards we hope we're in, streets of gold right but prayer and not just as not just necessarily i hope my car doesn't break down right or i hope it doesn't rain it's prayer through what god wants it's praying for the will of god not for the will of matt Mm -hmm. and uh that's that's difficult to understand and uh, as i've gotten older and situations have presented themselves to me Uh, i found out that there are two ways to pray and neither one of them are wrong
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, one of them is that please help me find a way to make my car payment right and that's fine and that's god hears you in my mind and my thinking the, the best power of prayer is to understand that you accept god's will mm-hmm. and so you pray for god's will even though it may not be in your best interest right it's tough to understand that at times. Yeah. We, have a, we have a classic model in that. Jesus modeled
0: it himself the night before he was crucified. Let this cup pass from me. Yet, nevertheless, he knew what he was about to walk into. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. That and, will be done. and I read
1: a scripture, I have a daily devotional, and I read something this morning that hit home again. And it's, it's a wonderful thing about being a Christian is that you, you can learn daily, mm-hmm. hourly. And, and this was a, 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 about Christ and how he went to the cross knowing full well what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And knowing full well that every one of us was still a sinner. Mm-hmm. And he went anyway. Yeah.
0: How powerful!
1: That's strength beyond our human knowledge ever. Yeah. The very first verse of scripture I
0: ever remember memorizing. Romans 5 eight, But God commended His love toward us in this that while we were yet sinners He died for us. Exactly.
1: Yeah. How monumental. Is yeah. it? It's it really in, in in my life it's like Abraham and Isaac. It's, it's you understand it and you want to understand it but sometimes I just think it's almost beyond my capability as a human being to, to get how how strong he was, and how loving, love, yeah. love, and giving. It's remarkable yeah.
0: when you look at Jesus's life. For me, it's always mind blown. After fifty years of following him, it mind blown. It just over and over again. Never gets old. It's just the wonder of it. Still, I you it's know staggering
1: between our our roots here in racing, and then I know we both have a love for baseball, mm-hmm. and then your view. Is spot on to mine. We should have met a long time ago.
0: No. you want to you, you, do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do a oh, podcast, which one? podcast shall, yeah. shall we? Shall we? Um, you hear it often. I even heard it as yesterday, and without even bringing up the podcast, I heard somebody say this: People don't go to the racetrack to see the races; they go to the racetrack to see the wrecks. And any truth in that? And not only at the racetrack, but at any? Do you see any truth in that in life?
1: I especially see the truth of it in life now because people open up their their morning newspaper, whatever site they go to. I, I miss newspapers so bad. But now we are programmed to go look at what happened bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as comparing that to the race, nobody really wants to say it. But let's face it, and it's easier for me to talk about it now mm-hmm. than it was 20 years ago because when they wrecked back then, there were consequences. Yeah. And there still are. But I don't know, and I'm going back to two weeks ago, but they had what they say, the big one. And yeah, they, people do. But I think people can watch them and, and know, for the most part, that NASCAR has enveloped them into a small capsule mm-hmm. with the Hans device and all that, even when they flip and they roll and they crash and their impact is 190 miles an hour they're safe, they walk away. For instance, uh, Brendan Gong, who races four times a year, twice at Daytona and twice at Talladega, because he just loves going fast. Mm -hmm. In that race, his car came up off the ground, turned totally around and landed back on all four, right in front of the car that was behind him. Mm. Remarkable, and I've seen a lot of them there. But yes, fans do go for that. But at Talladega, and if I sound like a promoter, a carnival barker, I am. But Talladega provides some of the best close, close quarter drafting, side drafting, rear front drafting, and sheer racing and, and showing off the capabilities of the drivers. It offers that. But there is something at Talladega that I don't, you, see, you don't see at other tracks. Mm-hmm. And that's it's fun. People go there and have parties, and mm-hmm. they, but I never see incidents. I and mean, you know, you, they never they get rowdy, mm-hmm. but they don't push it. Yeah. And they, it turns into the world's largest campground for that weekend. <laughs> and people go from one RV to a tent sharing their jambalaya or their burgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, yes, the big one, the race, is, is attractive. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are so many other things to that particular track that are important as well.
0: Something you just said brought back a memory to me that uh, the way the grandstands, and we were sitting in the grandstands uh, right there, probably underneath where you announced. We, we had really good seats, I can remember that, and it just that, that volume that came by every time the cars passed by. I could still hear that. I can only imagine it's even increased now.
1: And I have the privilege, uh, or the passes, Okay, to go other places yeah. where it's even more fantastic. Yeah. But I urge anybody, whether you're a race fan listening to this podcast or watching, the, you, you've seen it. You have to experience it. You have. Mm-hmm. And it used to be 43 cars. Now I think it's more like 36. But when 36 cars come through turn four to take that checkered flag and mm-hmm. they are taking the, the 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 green flag in the trial, mm-hmm. The sound, the thud. I mean, you you rattle, you shake, rattle and roll, wow. and you you don't sit.
0: Yeah.
1: You stand, and yeah. then they go out of turn two, and they go along that back straightaway. And here they come yeah. again. And everybody stands up again, yeah. and everybody in the stands has on their well, they used to have on the Junior and the Gordon, but now they have on the Kyle Busch and the Kevin Harvick's, and the, it's a wonderful experience. And even if you're not a sports fan, or even a race fan, or a car fan go once right. and I'll bet you go again yeah yeah. I, I, I'm
0: wanting to now
1: <laughs> well so, I, I, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll set you up in May well, thank you
0: <laughs> let's change gears here from the racetrack of NASCAR to the grace track of redemption great segue uh,
1: how has the love of God impacted your life Matt? I don't know how detailed you want to go here I can try and put it in I've been so blessed all my life from birth. Oh, I had the most wonderful parents you could ever imagine. I was gra- raised in a very Christian environment. I had a wonderful brother and sister. I was raised, my father was a NASA. My father was a rocket scientist. Now wow. I'm not one, but he was at NASA for 32 years. Wow. So we were raised in the perfect American middle class family, and I think I kind of understood at the time how fortunate I was. But in reflection, I know how lucky I was. Mm-hmm. And and I've always considered from the moment I can ever remember going to Sunday school, myself a Christian. But, as, and I'm sure you know this, there are varying degrees, mm-hmm. and, and there are levels, but uh, I, I found tests when I, I lost my sister, my mother, my brother, and my father, all within 15 years. Mm. all god carried me through those things Mm -hmm. uh and then i've I've dealt with some other issues my wife had breast cancer my grandson has leukemia Uh, i've not said this publicly but i will to you i was just diagnosed with prostate cancer Mm -hmm. you know what i did i prayed i'll be fine Mm -hmm. god is with me and the one thing that i've learned and again i go back to rick owsley is that god as i said earlier god doesn't waste trials and you are much closer to Him when you're in a ditch. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be a Christian when you're on top of the mountain. Yeah. But when you're a better Christian, is when you learn in the valley how to latch onto Jesus Christ in a moment like that because that's when He's at His strongest. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's why trials, although you hate them, mm-hmm. you also embrace them and thank them and, and be blessed for them because of what they do for you, mm-hmm. they make the top of the mountain a lot sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that is so, so true.
0: I, I understand that, I know that myself. Well, you've been In
1: through them. Yeah. I mean, we, we've yeah. all been through them, some more than others. Mm-hmm. But God puts, for some reason, He felt like I was able to handle the deaths of my entire family. Yeah. Um, and and, and if, if I'm blessed enough to go to heaven, I'll find out why. But it, mine is not the question why now. It's just that was his will, yeah. uh, and here, and I don't mean to sound candid about this, but here, Matt, learn how to write obituaries, mm-hmm. learn how to love, learn how to feel, learn how to have pain, mm-hmm. and yet learn. Here's the deal, Robert, that I, I think that I've learned this more in the last few years than I ever have, is that it's not just for us to understand, embrace. Mm-hmm we've got to pass it on yeah. we have that is what we do and you can do it in, in a couple of ways you can be very overt mm-hmm. and you can be the guy that walks down 31 out here with a cross mm-hmm. and that that's one way um, but my way i think your way lead by example mm-hmm. uh, you know those bands that use people wear on their earth what would jesus do right every single thing you do and every minute that you're awake on this earth try and act and do what Jesus Christ would do. It's impossible, Yeah. but trying is what God wants us to do. Now, you,
0: you're talking about trials. You don't know the full amount that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have and everything's been cut away. And that moment is a very sobering moment. Um, I've discovered, I say this often on this podcast, something I heard Dr. Jim Denison say, what God allows, He redeems. And He's very good at redeeming anything that He's allowed. Uh, We're given choices, and sometimes we make choices, maybe not the wisest choice, or choices are made in our lives. We're affected by the brokenness around us, but whatever God allows, He redeems, if we take what he has allowed and surrender it to him to redeem it.
1: And, and that's difficult at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'll go back to us having trials. Mm-hmm. And they're monumental. Losing family, having financial troubles, losing jobs, what whatever the case may be. They're humongous in our lives. Mm-hmm. But go back to what we were, think, we were talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. What did Jesus Christ go through? Yeah. That is a small drop of water in a huge bucket, because yeah. He knew we were sinners. He came here to save us, and yet we crucified Him. Yeah. Uh, there is no bigger trial than what He went through. Yeah. Another word for trial
0: is pitfall, and in, in relation, again, I've been thinking, track analogies all that, you know, we have pitfalls, and then pit stops. Um. What and we talked a little bit, I think, about what pitfalls have taught you. What have pit stops taught you? Uh, those moments when you just you've come to a complete stop, or you know, where where do you draw strength? Where do you uh, refuel? Where do you get fresh tread?
1: put beneath. Very well phrased question, by the way, as a broadcaster to a broadcaster. Oh, I I think that I go back to what I said a little while ago: prayer prayer when when you need a pit stop uh, and what i do is is i i give myself time alone Mm -hmm. and and i I may watch a baseball game or i or i may read Mm -hmm. but i will pray Mm -hmm. and prayer Mm -hmm. is our strength on earth Mm -hmm. and so when you pull into the pit stop and you need that he's always listening always and sometimes that's you talk about mind-boggling the number of hairs on my head which i don't have as many he knows yeah and he knows what i'm thinking and he knows what i'm going to pray but yet you draw strength from that act and so if you have a pit stop and i guess maybe Robert the big maybe don't be afraid to take one mm-hmm. it's okay you can call a timeout and, yeah. and pray so that would be a pit stop, would be the equivalent of prayer as far as life as a Christian is concerned. Yeah.
0: I may not understand or, or remember correctly. I think somebody had told me that uh, last summer you were rebaptized or at yes. the baptism service. And Rick Housley is pastor at Grace Point uh, in, here in Birmingham on Tuesday night at the Hog House. He's uh, and Rick, hopefully, Rick will be on this podcast sometime he in the not be. too distant future.
1: He's been a marvelous influence on my life. I've known Rick for 25 years, 30 years. Wow. He used to come up for our radio studio. Okay. And uh, he would do a little segment with Rick and Bubba, and then he'd come up, because he loved sports, he'd come over to the jock side, mm-hmm. and he talked sports. Uh, but when I was kind of reintroduced through Bill Searcy, who's, I'm gonna get you on this podcast. He's awesome. Former Alabama football player, uh, went to the depths of hell on Earth, mm-hmm. and now, and he led me, not that I ever strayed from mm-hmm. Christ, but he led me back and led me to Rick, which led me into the total immersement in what, Chris, you know, what being a Christian is. Mm-hmm. And I got rebaptized because my wife wanted to. Mm-hmm. She was, she's now a breast cancer, cancer survivor. Okay. I had, just months before that, almost lost my son in a horrific car accident which is where I learned pray for His will, uh, but I did that for me first, which you should in Christianity, but Karen wanted me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing that I probably omitted, certainly not with in- intention. But, uh, my, my wife Karen mm-hmm. has been, I saw strength in a woman with chemo, mm-hmm. literally. Pedaling herself across the floor because she couldn't walk because of the chemo. And I went, wow. So, uh, But I, I was thinking about this, Robert, if I may share with you. Uh, we all or most of us have a moment in which we feel like that's when I accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. That's when I was reborn. I don't know if this is wrong or right, but I guess if it's good for me, I feel like I've been reborn three or four times in my life. And that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's being reborn, maybe my vernacular is wrong, but I think strengthening your life and your life in Christ is kind of being re- reborn every time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you're spot-on because salvation is in three tenths. Uh, there was a day when you were saved, that moment when you first surrendered your life to Christ. Whatever age you were, that's the beauty of it. He takes us where we are. We're not there yet and we've got a long way to go. So you were uh, saved, you are being saved. there's that present tense of salvation and that's a daily thing. you know it's part of take up your cross daily calling out to him daily. So that's ongoing and so that that's rebirth daily. and then there will be a time when you will be saved. Those put your trust surrendered to Christ, your hope is in him and whenever we check out uh, or uh, he returns, it says race over we'll, we'll be in his presence and you will, we will be saved.
1: And the beautiful thing about it is that our Lord is so forgiving that in that process, you can slip. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to slip. It's going to happen. Yeah. You can slip, and you're reborn again. Yeah, yeah. That's just beautiful. Yeah.
0: And the same applied you know, with the disciples. He had Peter who denied him. He had uh, Judas who betrayed him. Judas would have found the same thing Peter and the rest of them did had Judas stuck around. Right. It would have been there for him. Because it's there for all, all of us.
1: That's the beautiful thing about it. Whether you're a CEO, you're Matt Coulter, Robert Barge, or uh, somebody even less fortunate, the ground's level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scripture? You know, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I but I, I think, uh, I think that's a lot, and and I'll be very very honest. I, I'm not much on memory. I know when I read it, when I like it. Yeah. Uh, and, but that one gives me faith in knowing that when there's bad times, God has a plan and He has a plan for me to prosper. Mm-hmm. And You can look at that and, and, and prosper in life, mm-hmm. but what He really means is you prosper in His shadow mm-hmm. and you prosper in your Christianity. But I like to look at it from both ways because it helps me two ways, yeah. two sides.
0: Yeah, I think often, sometimes we want to look at things, no matter what it is, and say it's either or. And, and you know, God is it either this or that, and God's going, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're right on both counts. I'm not limited. Right. So,
0: uh, wow. We're at Salvatore's, planning on eating some pizza. We're yep. going to grab a pizza, pizza, uh, and it's great pizza. And so I'm glad you chose this spot. And
1: their pizza is great they have pasta dishes that will absolutely blow you away so as long as we're doing a commercial for him
0: i will have to check out the pasta uh, but uh just uh, we're here to kind of get our, to feed our feed ourselves uh what feeds your soul what feeds your heart i know you said prayer but what else besides those uh besides prayer i mean how do you how do you feed yourself
1: spiritually my grandkids just absolutely make me I had them this past weekend. I'd never turn down the opportunity if I, if it's at all possible to be around them. You know, kids are so pure and so honest and they've not been tainted by the problems of society and they're they're just and they're almost they're always happy. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I think more than anything uh, because of the way I was raised in such a good Christian family. I and that that goes all the way up to my mom and dad's families and all that we just i was so blessed but uh you know i also will say this tuesday nights at the hog house uh cleanses me weekly uh i learned from rick owsley and i learned from that wonderful family that we have in that church from mm-hmm. grace point so uh, just off the top of my head and maybe i should have that in the other order <laughs> maybe it should be grace point but golly you have grandkids i do i have two there yeah. I always wonder, Robert. As a parent, I would see other people, and my my parents would say this: "Your grandkids are the greatest things that ever happened to me." I wonder, "Wait a minute! I have children. They are the most frustrating, yet the most rewarding thing I've ever had the pleasure of being around in my life. How could anything be better?" Yeah, they are. Yeah. It just. Uh, I was. A They're student. worth getting old for. Them.
0: Yeah. yeah. I was a student minister for 18 and a half years. Good and for you. So uh, I remember, uh, not remember, I did that verse where Jesus put a child in his lap and said, unless you come to me like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, hello, there it is right there, that that freshness of children. And so I identify with that because I love, I love kids. My theory, and this is all theory, uh, when we all get to heaven, I think we're all going to be somewhere between the age of seven and the age of ten. Uh,
1: <laughs> I hope so. I've never okay. heard,
0: heard anybody else share that theory, but that's my theory.
1: Uh, well, I'm going to take that one away yeah. with me, and one yeah. thing is the bases will be shorter, yeah. and it'll be 45 feet from home to uh, That's awesome. To picture plate. Uh, <laughs> the
0: track will be a little shorter. The track too, will yeah. be a little shorter,
1: and we'll have great wind and health, which uh If you got grandchildren trying to keep up with them when you get a little older like we are it's tough but boy it's so worth it so my faith at church and uh, my beautiful grandchildren and my kids too good grief i've been so blessed because i know people that have had struggles with their children and thank the lord i have not yeah
0: if you could sum your life up matt in one word what would that word be blessed blessed
1: there's no question, right. and and blessed, and now realizing yeah. how blessed I am. Wow, that's cool. This has been cool.
0: Yeah, I want to thank you for coming to the table. I think we'll probably somewhere down the road be doing this again.
1: I hope so. Yeah, maybe we'll do it from Talladega, although we won't be able. Nobody will be able to hear us. <laughs> It'll be more than a Mustang. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be thirty-five of them.
0: We, we're here, we're sitting outside of Salvatore's, a little outdoor patio area, and mainly to get away from the music in there, but I didn't think about it till sitting out here. Actually, this all this traffic coming by is very apropos for our conversation, <laughs> so. Uh, we'll get that Mustang to come back by in a minute. We'll be all right. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Appreciate you it's to been today. an
1: honor and a, and a pleasure and a privilege, and uh, like I said at the very top of this, I hope someone listens, maybe more than yeah. one, that gets something out of it. I just, I, I know, I, this, take this with, with all the seriousness I can possibly bring. This has done a lot for me because, honestly, there are a couple of things here I've talked about with you that I haven't talked about with others, and now I need to share it more in exactly the same vein we were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. the ways you can help other people yeah. other people need to know a little bit more about my story than I have been willing to share to this point and now I go forth yeah
0: and I assure you I will be praying with you thank you uh, as well as for you thank you we close out this podcast or I do every week well we actually start it on Monday morning those of you who are listening know that every Monday morning you'll either read it or hear it party of redemption your table is now available That's our sign off. And I would like you, you're an announcer, announcer, so it'd be perfect for this. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. How would you sign us off? I'd say,
1: Party of Redemption, your
0: table is now available. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Gentlemen, start your engines. (laughs) Thank you, sir.